like I was like, has he even seen Princess? I totally forgot you guys like went to my apartment. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was like, it was a party. It was a whole thing. Dude, I remember it was a whole one night stand. Dude, my, <laughs> dude, my fucking roommates were so well. One of my roommates was so mad. The other one was like cool with it, but mm-hmm. the the other one was like. Why are you just going to invite all these musical people over here <laughs> to start hanging out? And I'm like, I'm sorry. These I'm in guys, a musical. Yeah. That's what you do. It's yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like freshly 21. Like everybody's, you know, partying and stuff like that. That was like the height of, the height of my entertainment career. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking played lead guard in Shrek the Musical. It was a good role. <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> Oh, man, guys, thank you for coming in and listening to another episode of Help, I'm High and Can't Get Down. We got my boy, Alexander Thomas, author, fucking tabletop creator, fucking, I don't know, other things that you also do. Uh, Karaoke enthusiast. Oh, yes. Uh, You were the walrus guy, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, my God, dude. I haven't been for a while. Bring him back. Bring him back all the fucking crazy-ass memories. That's actually where I I met my wife at the walrus. Oh, shit. At karaoke, yeah. Dude. She was on a date with another guy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, there you guys go. If you want to find a wife, go to karaoke and steal someone's Mm -hmm. wife. Ruin somebody else's date. Yeah, exactly. I asked her if she wanted to go to the zoo with me, and she said everybody asked me to go to the zoo and left. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Oh, okay. Guess fuck me. I'll never see you again, (laughs) man. That's crazy. My girl didn't even have to go to karaoke. Just like... (laughs) (laughs) But no, that's fucking awesome, man. Dude, karaoke, meeting your wife. But really, we brought you on here, though, to talk about like one big thing. We got a fucking book right here. The Magician's Sin, is, is that what it's called? That's what it's called. Hell yeah. yeah. It's book one of the Titan City Chronicles. So all right, all right. Say. Go ahead and pick up that book and like show it to the, that front camera there. Let them see it. Which camera is the front camera? That one. Oh, the big, the big one, the, the fancy big, one. Yeah, the big, yeah, the one that's actually going to have quality. You ah, know what no. I mean? That. Not the webcam. Yeah, not the, <laughs> that's for the OnlyFans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did you know? He's watched too many of my jokes. He needs to get out of here. No, no, that's crazy. I'm only a fan. That's the that's how I know. Oh, awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me. Tell us about this book. What's going yeah. on? Um, so I write fantasy noir is the genre I write in. It's sort of like if Humphrey Bogart like had gone to dark Hogwarts. fantasy. Is that sort what that of is? Um, fantasy What's that the takes noir? place in a or... real world setting? Oh, um, it takes place in an alternate okay. 1930s in America in a city called Titan City on the East Coast, uh, and it follows a disgruntled wizard named Anson Walker who is immortal and has wanted to not be alive for a long time. Um, there's this magical event coming up that's going to allow him to take his own life, but before he can do that, his ex-wife gets abducted and her daughter comes to him and says, can you help me find my mom before you shuffle off this mortal coil? And in the process of finding her, he starts to figure out maybe he doesn't want to die yet. He might have some stuff to look for. Fucking pussy, dude. God damn it. He's he's a a grumpy Gus. I mean, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to die until they're like right there. They're like, ah, ah, fuck it. Maybe not. Maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'm good. Take the cut out of my mouth. Just like. Yeah. (laughs) The problem is he's immortal most of the time. He's not immortal once every 70 years. And then. Oh, okay. Oh, so that. Okay. I I get it. Okay. So that's why this one magical festival is the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it's like his. 
Okay. Yeah, he's like, I'm out of here. I was the chosen one 100 years ago. The prophecy never came true, and now I'm still here. So Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. This, I want to get out. That's crazy. So you said uh, it's a part of a trilogy, you said, right? Uh, or so, you don't know yet. It's uh, just a it's series. Been, it is a series. Um, I'm working on a trilogy. Basically, there's a trilogy of books that take place in the 1930s. There's a trilogy of books that take place in the 1940s, the 1970s, and the modern day, or near modern day. All right. When I first conceived of it, modern day was like 2010, and now we're 13 years later. But that's fine. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's a big series. It's got a lot going on. Um, so what? What is it uh, like when you're writing? Okay. Because I, I mean, I do a lot of writing, but I'm not writing like long length stories. So it's like when you're writing and it takes you a year to write a book or two years to write a book, um, or like let's say like life fucking happens and it takes you fucking ten years. Um, yeah, George. Yeah. <laughs> 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 at, at, like, does that? kind of influence like like the story does that influence like like maybe oh like different shit has happened out in the real world that i want to like incorporate now that yeah i would say that um the story is very different than when i first conceived of it uh, almost a decade ago now that feels strange to say because I was writing this first book when we were in Shrek. Yeah, I remember your big <laughs> ass fucking thing that you always had. Your little, your leather bound like yeah. f- fold over. That's this book. Damn. Uh, so, Dang. Okay. Um, but the um, the most mostly I've grown as a writer and as a person. I've I've been I've absorbed more stories. I've learned more about how writing works, and I've gotten to know the characters a lot better in the process of writing all the books I'm working on. Like I've got three that are hopefully coming out this year. Um, if everything goes according to my spreadsheet, they will all come out this <laughs> year. Because <laughs> there's nothing glamorous about writing. Yeah, man. Um, That's for sure. But I actually learned the point of the story recently, which was not good, because I wrote a book already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but sort of the overarching conflict of the whole story, I've finally wrapped my mind around why ah. it happens. I've figured out why he's immortal. Uh, why his nemesis that hates him is immortal and what that means for his daughter who is a combination of him and his nemesis so what this whole big metaphysical cycle of uh, life so they they were like the first like real gay magicians uh and they had a daughter together (laughs) well anson is by um, oh okay well there is okay Um, calling it out right here his nemesis (laughs) is a metaphysical being of extinction and darkness so he doesn't really have sex Oh, okay. He, I mean, he probably doesn't Incel. hate it, but it's not just some, not somebody goes looking out for. It. All right, cool. So, all right. So, is this uh, what? How did you fucking come up with this idea? Like, what made you think uh, magicians, like, um, and modern day magicians? So it started with the char- the main character Anson. Okay. Um, much like any other nerd, I have played in a lot of D and D games in my life. Um, Anson started off as one of my player characters in a campaign I was in mm. and the DM wrote an ending for our story that I hated and I was like fuck this I can write a better ending for this character and now here I am <laughs> oh snap um, okay he sort of inspired a little bit by like True Blood and Vampire Diaries other, va- other vampire stories that take place in modern day um, a little bit of Dresden Files okay. uh, by Jim Butcher there's some influence there uh, and I've always liked superheroes. That's always been my favorite genre. That's where I do most of my work now anyway. So I picked the beginning of the dawn of the era of superheroes, which is like 1938, somewhere in there when Superman first gets published. And he's beating oh. up landlords, and he's doing all the things that I wish he would do now. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Wow. 
so it's, it's just started sort of as a D and D character. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a masterminds character, but most okay. people don't know what that is. Okay. So I I, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Which I, mean, I shouldn't say that because I'm the developer. For yeah, 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 yeah. Don't don't say that. <laughs> Push your own stuff. Yeah. So means um, masterminds is D and D, but with superheroes is sort of the short version of saying it. Okay. And so, and he was a magician in that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Yeah, I think. Wow. Um, I've always liked magical superheroes. I like John Constantine. I like Doctor Strange, Doctor Fate, characters mm-hmm. like that who are superheroes, but they delve into the supernatural side of things rather yeah. than just punching guys in masks or <laughs> punching meteorites. A lot of punching. Yeah, just lots of punching and shooting. Just mm-hmm. like that's all it is. Just pretty much. I mean, is there another superhero that who isn't magic who's not punching or shooting? I mean, the question doesn't usually punch people. I mean. Th- I mean, Flash is punching, but he's just running mm-hmm. fast. Right, right, right. You know? So he's, more, guess... he's more bumping into people really fast. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's just shoulder-checking them really yeah. hard. <laughs> just like... He's got bad situational awareness. Dude, that... <laughs> he's, yeah, he's actually not even, like, trying to hit them. He's just, like, oh, clumsy. Whoa, man. He's like, oh, I'm still haven't figured this out yet. You came out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. So you, uh, so you said that you're the developer of this, mm-hmm. uh, and you said it's called what's the whole name of it? It's like Mutants and Masterminds. Mutants and Masterminds. Yeah, but I'm the lead developer for that RPG. And how um, did that come about? Mostly dumb luck. Really? Um, I mean, I'm good at what I do, but there is an element of of the universe sort of putting things in my path in a way that really worked things out. Okay. Um, so I started playing Mutants and Masterminds in 2011 in an online chat room. Um, and one of the very first virtual tabletops called Inferno.net. And that's where I came up with Anson. That's where I had my bad falling out with the Game Master. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to run this system, and I'm going to write my own superhero stories. And a couple of years after that, I started running events at Origins Game Fair here in Columbus. Okay. Um, they get volunteer GMs to come in and run things. And back then, they used to have a lottery where they would put the special guests into people's games by surprise. And the guy who invented Mutants and Masterminds got put in my game by lottery. Oh, And they shit. came up to me 15 minutes beforehand, and they were like, hey, is it cool if Steve comes and plays in your game? I was like, <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> Could you have sent me a packet like two weeks ago, please? Because yeah. uh, I had a one-sentence description of what the adventure was going to be about. I had the pre-generated characters, and then I had like a favorite episode of Justice League that I was riffing off of, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared for it. Um, he sat down for my Suicide Squad game. He played Deadshot, and he had a great time. And afterwards, I was like, hey, Steve, it looked like you had a nice time. Could I work for you? Would that be okay, please? And he said, yeah, he got me in touch with his editor. Um, his editor sent me, the guy who did my job now, he sent me, uh, he asked me to write an adventure for them, and then I freelanced for them for about 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, during which there was a change in developers, and the new developer, she brought me in. Crystal is her name, Crystal Frazier. And she brought me in to run a game for their um, leadership on stream. We did a stream game. And shortly after that, they reached out to me and asked if I'd be her assistant developer. So they gave me a real job instead of a freelancing job. And then in September of last year, Crystal announced that she was stepping away and she promoted me up to her position. So, Dude, that's, that's savage. Yeah. So you literally were just like, hey, can I have a job? I was in the right place at the right time. Dude, and nice. I wasn't a dick. That's, I mean, that's ninety yeah. percent of the problem. Yeah, I, I, feel, dude, you want to know? It's crazy. I feel like there's a lot of people who do not have a sense of um, 
and I wouldn't even say not even personality, but it's just like a business. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, just like negotiations. It's like if you want something, you obviously cannot be a fucking dick. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? You have to know how to like work it. It's like, yeah. So, yeah. I, I know that the answer is always no if you don't ask, but the answer will be no if you ask wrong. Exa- Dude, that's actually crazy. I was just like, about to say that. I remember a guy telling me that. He's like, you'll never know if you never ask. He's like, yeah. it's always no. But you got to be a nice guy when you ask. Exactly. And I never, I didn't expect anything out of it. I exactly. saw that he enjoyed the game that we were playing. And he and I still have a great relationship to this day. Uh, awesome. He, he writes with me on Mutants and Masterminds now, which is weird. Like when he asked me, what should we do for this project? And I'm like, I don't know. You're the adult. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny, man. That's like almost like when EJ got his like data analyst position. He was just like, I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. He's like, these people are like asking me questions. And I'm just like, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking nuts, dude. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how it happens though, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody starts off at like zero knowledge and then eventually they're in fucking CEO positions making, you know, billion dollar decisions. And With their guts. Like, Cause they still don't know what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it's so, it's like kind of like growing up. Like when you see adults as a kid, you're like, those adults are the adultiest adults I know. They are, they have everything together. And then. When you become an adult, you're like, I think they were lying this dude, whole time. this entire time, dude. Yeah, I think they were faking it. <laughs> am I faking it? You, am I doing this wrong? What am I? What, no, this yeah, is not I, a was say, I mean, I was like, you, you have the wife? Do you, you own a house? No, um, not yet. We're working uh, on it. We're working on a down payment. He's faking it, guys. <laughs> I am faking it. <laughs> 100% faking no, it. No, no, that's great. That's great. So how long, uh, so when, when did you get married? Uh, October 31st, 2021. Okay, sweet. So, so not too almost long two ago. years. Almost. Yeah. Dude, On Halloween, because yeah. she was nice and wanted me to always remember our anniversary. <laughs> that's, that's amazing, man. Yeah, because it's always hard just like having a random fucking day mm-hmm. in the middle of the fucking year. And you're just like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just like their birthday. <laughs> it's like you forget the birthday. Forget the... Why did we get married on May 25th anyway? Yeah, you always <laughs> got to find somebody who has a birthday on a holiday mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that or figure something like that out. Like I remember one girl I was dating, I started dating her on uh, uh, fucking New Year's. It's like the mm. first. The very, I was like, all right. Good plan. No, no way. There's no way I'm going to forget this. Still fucking forgot. I'm just like. There's a big party on the first day. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, There's yeah, a lot yeah. going on that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even remember dating you. What was going on? <laughs> oh, I no. sent you the card. I know we broke up eight months ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, USPS just takes a long time, man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you just don't get the message. Oh, my God. You know what yeah. I mean? No, that's funny, man. So that. now. You're the lead developer, or right? Yeah, that's what you said. Mm-hmm. Lead developer on the Masterminds game. You fucking wrote a book. What else you got going on? Like, what else you? What else are you um, doing? So you're always writing. You're always doing I, stories. You were talking earlier writing. about Twitch. Yeah, I you am like the uh, stuff. the executive producer for the Untold Stories project, which is a Twitch and YouTube actual play channel where we shine a spotlight on RPGs that don't get as much love as D and D or Pathfinder. Okay. Uh, we play a lot of Mutants and Masterminds because that's my thing. Yep. But we uh, we played Blue Rose. We played uh, Monster of the Week. We played the Fallout RPG. We've done uh, East Texas University, Werewolf, the Apocalypse. We played a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. Okay. We just like to show that there are games for everyone and that they that gaming is for everyone. Have you ever played a Dead Zone? I think it's called. Uh, we played Deadlands. 
Deadlands, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as I say, there was this, uh, my uncle, when he was like trying to get me into all that stuff, he like gave me, it was like just a bunch of like crazy looking ogres versus a mm -hmm. bunch of crazy mech people. And you just would like, uh, you had like this mat and you'd mm -hmm. set up different like obstacles. <laughs> it was like, it, he, that doesn't sound like Deadlands. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he's really into, like I said, like the war, like mm -hmm. tabletop games where it's just like moving troops, trying to like yeah. do that. It's like, I was kind of into StarCraft and Warcraft a little bit, yeah. but I never got into like the tabletop. I know. really like strategy computer games mm -hmm. because my mom would never buy me all the miniatures and cards for yeah. like mini games and card games. Well, yeah, it, they're fucking expensive, bro. Yeah. I'm not. They're yeah. so expensive. They were the first NFTs. <laughs> no, they were. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I'm like ah, I could buy a sixty dollar book and I can have unlimited games, or exactly. I can pay five hundred dollars for an army that I have to paint. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm colorblind, dude. Yeah, so this why is would horrible. you do this to me, <laughs> dude? This is crazy. But people love it. I mean, I know a lot of people who love those kinds of games. It's just, and I like playing them. I just I've never been able so to. So you're more just like myself. a dice roller. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I like Hell dice yeah. rolling. There are a couple of games I've played, like Dread, which is an RPG that uses a Jenga tower instead of dice. Um, Whoa. So anytime you do something that it's a horror game, and anything you do something that could be hazardous for your character, you have to pull a tile out of the Jenga tower. Oh. If you drop the tower, your character dies, and you're out of the story. Yo, so wait, does everybody have their own tower then? No, everybody shares one tower. So, so you have to reset it up every time it falls. Yes. Wow, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, but that simulates in a horror movie where you know after somebody dies, usually they're safe for a little while after that. Oh. Usually the other characters are safe for a little bit. Okay. After one murder. Gotcha. Like, it depends like, on the kind like of It's like fighting the movie. boss, and it's yeah. like, all right, now you got like a second to like chill. You yeah. know what I mean? Ghostface usually kills one person at a time instead yeah. of like. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Um, Not like Leatherface. That dude will chop up a whole bus of people. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So I would say that I've never really done the strategy games, like I said, tabletop, but I've played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. I mm -hmm. haven't gotten into any of the other ones though, but we've like done like we've tried to do our own variations, like oh, yeah. you know, space or whatever. But like that shit's fun, man. I think that it's a uh, it's really hard. Like the oh, yeah. DMing process and it's crazy because like like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen you. But like the way that you talk is like I feel like it's different. Than when I like first met you, like it's like way more. Uh, I don't know, like storyteller, like mm. talking. That's fair. You I, can tell um, that you're on the mic a lot. Yes, I do that a lot now. Um, I mean, we stream every Monday and Tuesday. Well, now we're moving to Tuesday and Wednesday, um, and we're getting ready to launch a new show called Freedom League Dark and the and the Multiverse of the Master Mage. I'm really excited. Okay. About. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been on camera a lot i've been on the mic a lot i've done some i've done some more stage stuff since shrek uh, okay. shrek the musical was my first musical actually that was the first play i ever did after high school sames so yeah. yeah so i did a short film in that and that one nice i just started doing stand-up later so yeah well stand-up's hard dude like, it is hard i i i admire anybody who can do stand-up i will say though all of the stuff that i like learned from like my theater experience has definitely helped me like the mm -hmm. beginning of my stand-up career because like one of the things that you have as a new stand-up is that like um you don't have like a lot of personality mm -hmm. you just kind of go up there and you're like you know trying to do whatever and I, because i had like stage presence and i could project and everything it made it a, the beginning a lot easier even though i still sucked you know well. it was like <laughs> 
once you, I mean, the fundamentals help, like being able to stand on a stage and not panic when somebody's looking at you. <laughs> when someone like yells at you. Yeah. Or at least be able to like stand still and hold your knees when they're shaking. Rather so than... what, what else have you done then since? Um, I was in the best little whorehouse in Texas. Okay. I, I, okay, I do remember seeing like stuff for that. Um, I was in Reefer Madness. That was another musical I did. I've done a lot of joke musicals. I was in Evil Dead the musical. Okay. I was the bit part <laughs> demon, which was a lot of fun. Um, I was in Thanks Killing the Musical, okay, which has five characters in it. Uh, the turkey. I was the hick who had a secret like gay romance with the nerd, which was great. I got murdered by the turkey by it exploding out of my chest, and then the nerd came and found me and held me while I was dying. And we had this wonderful meatloaf Neil Diamond musical number together, <laughs> which was great. Um, that's fucking. That's awesome. That was so much fun. It, uh, it was at Club Diversity downtown, and. Uh, Every time we got to the end of that musical number, somebody in the audience would yell, kiss him, when we were looking at each other. <laughs> Did you ever? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, we're not missing out on that opportunity. Yeah. No, I mean, we were gay icons. We had to. You, it's actually funny, though, because it's like... I was Nick Offerman first. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, because I did a, I did a Neil Simon play mm. in a high school called Rumors, and... Mm. It was just like pretty much a bunch of people pretending to be the other people who were there. It was like crazy. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, because they, they show up to this house party. The main person is like upstairs and like for some odd reason nobody just goes up. I don't remember exactly what happens, but like they're all communicating and then one person has to be another person and then this person also has to be this person. It was nuts. And then at the end... Uh, I remember I had to like come down in like this fucking bathrobe or whatever, and I and at one point I had to kiss one of the characters, and it was one of those like moments that like it wasn't like in the play. We mm -hmm. just did it because people for some odd reason were just like, do it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it, yeah. <laughs> Which we I, love I this. It. Yeah. Uh, what else have I done? I was um, I played Teddy in Arsenical Lace, so I got to be a crazy guy who thought he was Teddy Roosevelt, which was great. Wow. When was when was Shrek? Uh, I think that was in 2016. Okay, so, so it's seven been seven years ago. Seven years ago, and you just named like five, six shows. Yeah, I did a lot in a brief span of time. Um, I haven't done a show since 2021. Okay, I want to say I, I mean, was you've in been pretty Caesar. busy. Yeah, <laughs> I played Brutus in Caesar, which was. Oh, a lot of fun. the Shakespeare Caesar. Wow, was, wow, the, wow! I didn't know Brutus was the main character in that play. When they asked me if I wanted to play Brutus, I was like, "Isn't Caesar the main character?" But he's he's out at the end of Act One, yeah. And then it's it's Brutus the whole time. The whole the play is convincing Brutus to kill Caesar, and then the consequences of killing Caesar. So that wow. was a, that was okay. A, and that was a pandemic show, so it was like we were all on webcam in our own spaces, and like we had to simulate murdering Caesar in Zoom. It was wild. What? This sounds fucking crazy. Yeah, it's on OSU Newark's YouTube channel. Uh, if you look up uh, the pandemic players, Caesar. Dude, how crazy would it have been if you guys would have been able to somehow choreograph it? Like, all of you have, like, a green screen. And you choreograph it in a way to where they can overlay oh, all of the cool. videos. And, you know what I mean? And then just, like, make it like you guys were all... Yeah. That would have been a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Our well, technique what was you guys did was a lot. Our what? technique was basically, okay, it's your turn. Stab the camera. It's your <laughs> turn. Stab the camera. Caesar, do this. <laughs> That's... Oh, my God. Like, so, like, there's, like, what, 15 
cameras going at once? Uh, there were, I think there were 20 people in the cast. Oh my God. So I'm literally, imagine someone with ADD. This would be the worst fucking play to watch on the, he's like, oh, what did you think of the fucking Caesar play that we just, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. Yeah, dude. I don't know. They're speaking Shakespeare (laughs) to start with. (laughs) And 25 different cameras. The good news is we did have a videographer who would fade people in and out of the scene as they were in the scene. Oh, so, so like okay. there was it wasn't like a whole it wasn't like Hollywood Square style where everybody was there. There were some scenes that were like, like that. Brady Bunch. Like, yeah, there hey, were some there were some hey. scenes like that. But most scenes they would boil down to the people who were speaking, and then they would be they would have most of the screen real estate. So you knew where the focus was. Interesting. It was interesting. cool. It was a really interesting production. I'll have to. You said attend the Newark. Uh, yeah, OSU Newark's. Um, YouTube channel. Okay, hell yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. That's fucking nuts. Yeah, it was cool. I, All right. Um, I wish he hadn't disabled comments on it because I, I always <laughs> like. <laughs> I always love reading people's comments on things that I do. Like comments no, give me that dude, little that, bit of dopamine. That tracks, man. I would have done that too. <laughs> like an online musical. Like no, no offense to anyone who did it. I'm sure you guys had a lot of fun, and I'm sure everybody yeah. who watched it enjoyed it. But you know, it's just like that. That's a cra- like somebody recently came up to me and asked about this opportunity for like a um, like comedy in the metaverse, and I was like, oh, mm. oh, about all that, like, like stand up in the metaverse, yeah, like like, dude, like, like you would be an avatar and there would be other avatars watching, yes, that dude, sounds weird, bro. So I guess during the pandemic, like Fortnite, like fucked around with this a little bit. Um, they started doing like concerts online. So it's like they would have like Dead Mouse or fucking Marshmallow or some bullshit. Mm. And people like would like log in. You would buy like a virtual ticket or some shit. And you would literally log in and go to this fucking stage that they would fucking make like a map. Like literally like World of Warcraft. And then everybody would just run up and just fucking do their fucking. Can you imagine having the balls to charge for that? You know what, dude? <laughs> At this point. Like I, you know, nothing surprises. Mark Zuckerberg's me, in the hole. He's yeah, gotta, he's got to pay for that metaverse somehow, <laughs> dude. Like, but like the whole metaverse thing is like a crazy idea, man. It's like a really like I'm starting to like kind of get worried about it because I'm like people are gonna like it's not catching on yet, which is great. I'm yeah. like that's cool, but like as soon as it does and things start like, hey guys, we're gonna start doing everything in the metaverse, and it's like, yeah, you guys can go fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> it's like some grass, man. Like, yeah, bro. Like, I mean. Do we have to like wait for all the old people to die off, or are they also going to be using metaverse? I don't know. It's got to get a lot better before I feel like it's going to be like a Ready Player One situation. Exactly. Yeah. So right now, it's like a it's like an AIM chat room. Yeah, exactly. And I can't believe how poor the graphics are. Yeah, on I, those things. I um, so I was messing around. I didn't have like a full helmet, but I had like one of those like Google mm-hmm. lens thingies, and I like you slide your phone in there, and I was like messing around with uh with like like some of the like google stuff and bro i'll be honest man it's kind of nuts like mm-hmm. uh and then i also have like a th- an app where i figured out i could like do it for my computer so i'd like mm-hmm. do it over wi-fi so i could actually do like the computer games mm-hmm. and like it's actually a little nuts just like how disorienting it can be because it's like i was at a uh, easton and they had like one of those like setups and i was doing the rock climbing one 
Oh no, I, dude, I felt like I was gonna fall. I didn't actually fall, but like it was like one of those yeah. things where you're like, whoa, what the fuck? Your is caveman brain doesn't know any better. Exactly. We um we had an Oculus Club at the library when I worked there. Okay. Um and like we had there was this uh, app that you could use with the VR to travel anywhere in the world. And they used to play a prank on the kids and say, go to the Grand Canyon. Because for some dumb reason, the app starts you above the Grand Canyon <laughs> instead of, like, on the side. So you, like, look down and <laughs> your whole brain is like, I'm falling. Oh, the coyote my style. God, dude. That's crazy. Man. Yeah, so, I don't work at the library anymore. If you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts. So you, so you said you've done a lot of, like, uh, like, like you know, jokey uh, or, you know, whatever. Or, like different types of like musicals and plays oh, yeah. what when it comes to like uh influences like who are like your biggest influences in like you know art like you know what i mean yeah um it's uh i've all, i've had a lot of people that i look up to i like robin williams a lot and i've always looked up to him just because he could always he could make anybody laugh and yeah. he could make any situation feel calm yeah it, despite how chaotic he was as a person <laughs> um as far as authors go, I like, um, I've always been a big fan of Charles Dickens. I like um, Jim Butcher, as I mentioned before, The Dresden Files. Uh, I like J.R.R. Tolkien. I, um, I quite enjoy anyone who can, who can make you feel like the world you are experiencing is a real place that they've been to and they're just documenting what happened. Uh -huh. uh, people who understand that when you raise a certain point, that has a domino effect on things that are happening down the line. Um, you can see this in a lot of world building when it's lazy. Um, it's one of those things that when, it, when it's working really well, you don't notice. But when it's something that somebody has half-assed, you notice right away. Like um, there was a Netflix show called Bright okay. with Will Smith in it, which was basically he was a cop in L.A., but monsters were real. Like, <laughs> there were orcs and there were fairies. Cops, but... With monsters. Yeah. Like that. But it was like the entire world went the same way despite magic existing. And despite there being races that aren't humans in, ma in like general society. And like those are things that would have very big ramifications on the timeline. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like if you guys thought getting rights was hard for you guys, like, bro, these goblins, bro, yeah. good luck. Yeah, no, like it, it, it blows my mind how somebody can just like drop that into a world and be like, everything else is the same. No. You have to pick, when you're doing world building, this is one of the things I'm big about, um, especially when I freelance edit for other people. Okay. Because that's another one of my jobs yeah. as I edit other people's books. And I describe it as brick wall world building syndrome, where there's a learning curve to every fictional concept. Uh, if you introduce a lot of things all at once, it increases the steepness of the learning curve for whatever you're writing. Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, do the basics and then yeah. build up as you go on. And if you introduce too much too fast, that learning curve becomes straight up and they smack into it and they bounce off and they never read the rest of your book. Like, you want people to settle in and be able to grasp the concepts organically as they need to understand them, rather okay. than assuming your reader won't understand anything. But when you're doing something like adding monsters or magic to the real world, you have to understand that there might not be in America if, if, we, if we know monsters exist in 1600. Yeah. Like, there might not be in America if George Washington died. Imagine if... Yeah, exactly. Like, like it's... Yeah, it's... Interesting. You have to pick your virgin's point, and you have to understand that even if everything is the same leading up to that virgin's point... You've got to think about what that change is going down the line. Like in my book, um, magic gets introduced to the public in 1907. 
when Anson starts doing it in public and telling people monsters are real, magic is real, this is who I am. And the government has to grapple with that. They've got a Department of Monster Affairs that is like, okay, if monsters are going to be part of society, what do we do? Like, how do we coexist? Okay, so let me ask you. Uh, so when you're when you're doing all this, because this is like this is like nuts. Because I've always like wondered this myself. Like when people are like writing like TV shows or you know like even George R. R. Martin when he's like writing his books, it's like uh, how. How do you do all that without being just like the man was standing on the side of the road and yeah. he gave a man a flower? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like they're using all these like descriptive words, like words that fucking matter. Like every word, you know, matters. And so it's like, yeah. how do you go about doing that and like figuring that part out? You have to trick your reader. You start with something that is universally understandable to them and with a character that they can be invested in without the bells and whistles of your world building. So okay. you put somebody that they like into a situation that they recognize, and then you get them invested in this conflict and this character, and then you can sneak stuff into them as they need it, as they're going along, because they care about what happens to that character. Okay, so if, like, you were, like, for example, if you were going to write a book about magicians, mm-hmm. the very first thing that you would do would, you know, be, oh, maybe he gets mugged. Yeah, something and like that. You're like, oh, he, you have no idea that he's got magic. And then, oh, shit, now he's got magic. Wait, who is this guy? Like, why, yeah. why am I so interested him? in him? And he's a lot more hotter now. Like, Yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. <laughs> like, there are so many ways to begin your book, but what you don't want to do. And I love J.R.R. Tolkien, but it's his fault that people start their books this way. Because it worked in 1933 when he released his books. But people don't know that it's been 100 years. Yeah, Audiences are different now, and you're not Tolkien. Yeah, I'm not talking. Nobody's yeah. talking. Tolkien is talking. Um, Amazon's not talking, but that's not good at it. Uh oh, your book's gonna be missing here on Amazon here in a day right. or two. Oh yeah. Oh wait, no, sorry, yeah, yeah, Amazon. Like, Just sorry, kidding. Amazon. The gods. I'm sorry. Um, but no, like so many people begin their book with like a prologue that is the history of the world, or a prologue about something that happened three thousand years ago that nobody has a reason to care about. Like, we don't know your world. We don't care about any of the people who live there. You need to give us a reason. You need to give us an anchor point okay. as a reader. Now, would you would you also say that this also is, like, something that would cross over into, like, a, like a Dungeons & Dragons game or something like that? Definitely. Like, you wouldn't start off with, like, 3,000 years ago. You yeah. would just... Okay, interesting, because that happens a lot, I feel like. And yeah, maybe as a blog really post, like boring. if you write it down it and you really send boring. it to your players, <laughs> they, they, they won't read it, but yeah. you can send it to them and be like, I tried, this is the backstory. But yeah. once they care about the world that they're in, they might go back and read that document. Okay, sweet. Um, yeah, it's just, and uh, there's so many people who, I edit a lot of bad books. <laughs> because I'm a freelance editor, so I don't work for a publishing company. People on the internet find me, and they say, "Will you read my book?" And sometimes it's like reading a manifesto. Like I had to, oh my god, I had to leave a comment for somebody that said, "Child necrophilia is not an okay thing to spring on somebody without a content warning." <laughs> my guy. <laughs> like I don't know how your brain works, but you can't be doing that to people. Dang, son. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Or like there was there was one book I read that basically was like dragon fighting to stop an astrological apocalypse and it was the most boring book of all time. I was like a how dragon? do you mess up dragon stopping the apocalypse? How does a uh, astronomer what? How does that even happen? It was a dragon astronomer. 
and like <laughs> what like a dragon person or like a big dragon like it was a dragon who could turn into a regular sized person ah so because okay. some dragons can do that yeah okay okay i was like i was like bro how is one dragon gonna fight space bro like there's no <laughs> fucking way like, do not fight space you yeah, will lose yeah space will kill even you. as a dragon dude i don't know if you have a chance man there's a lot of suns out there but even that concept of like <laughs> a dragon trying to stop i think it was an asteroid was coming to hit the planet and the dragon was trying to figure out how to do it but the whole book was like zoom meetings it was like the dragon trying to convince people, hey, the, uh, the asteroid is real. It was during the pandemic, man. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> Dragons can't get COVID. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Dude, yeah. And also, why is a dragon using Zoom? Like, what? Yeah, I, can't you just fly to places and just be like, hey, yeah, I, there's an asteroid. And then go to the next city and be like, yo. Oh, you're a dragon. I believe you. That should have been the end of the yeah, statement. Yeah. That should have been the end of the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> It was 400 pages of nobody believing the dragon. And I was like, uh, this is so all. It's like, wait, you're saying there's an asteroid coming? You fucking dragon? Get out of here. Yeah, and then they didn't even stop the asteroid at the end of the book. They were like, okay, book two, we're going to stop the asteroid. And I was like, I'm the only person who's ever going to read this. Oh, my God. You're not getting to book two unless you <sighs> go through and do all this stuff. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting job. I get to read a lot of stories. I get to give a lot of helpful advice because it's important for new writers to exist. Okay. In every medium. Yeah, exactly. I think exactly. that writing and storytelling is one of the things that really elevates humanity as a group. It's one of the things that we do that's magic. Yeah, I feel like uh, something that I was thinking about uh, a lot recently is that, like, uh, we've been thinking about, like, the subconscious and, like, mm -hmm. just, like, our unconscious stuff. And it's, like, we're all seeing, you know, maybe not all the exact same stuff, but it's all, like, different perspectives mm -hmm. of the same exact things. So it's, like, really nice when you get someone who's really good at telling their perspective. Yeah, it's magic. I mean, we are able to, we are able to make memory and thought time travel through mm -hmm. writing. Like, we can talk to people who are going to exist hundreds of years from now, and we could talk to people who existed thousands of years ago. Like, it's, it's bananas that this is a thing that happens. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. And everybody, everybody should try it. I, I encourage everybody, even though everyone thinks they can write a book, I think everybody should at least try to see how it goes. <laughs> you know, that's why I started the podcast. Oh, I didn't know that. Because I uh, wanted to write a book, and I was like, this shit is fucking stupid. And I was like, I would rather talk for an hour and a half once a week for five years and then be like, all right, that was that was good. <laughs> that was easy. That was yeah, fun. that was that was better than spending five or six yeah. years trying to sit down at a table, which I hate doing anyways. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the process, it takes as long as it takes. I... Um, <laughs> My first book took 10 months to write the first draft, and then it took two or three more months for editing. Technical difficulties with our light over here. Got some, oh. got some <laughs> issues. This is a, you know, the danger zone. We're actually you know, filming a horror film oh, good. here soon. Yeah. Where's the green filter? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's added in post. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so how many books do you have to release before you start adding letters to your middle name uh you is can it like that martial right arts if you want no it's like your... like... so here's the thing george rr uh -oh. martin literally stole jr tolkien's letters oh he did that to be like tolkien oh okay so um, that's not like a thing yeah it's not it's not a people do use um initials okay uh it's less common now i know a lot of women used to do initials so people didn't know that they were women writing books um, because that makes sense, there like, was some subconscious bias against buying books that had women's names yeah. on them. 
mm-hmm. which I'm not qualified to speak about. But yeah, because you never bought a woman's book. Nope. Oh yeah, not one. Just Jesus. <laughs> Just the Bible. He's like I. He's like I was buying all these books with like you know initials, but like I never bought a woman's book because screw that. <laughs> No, that's crazy. I mean, I read a lot of Anne Rice and Charlene Harris. Okay. A lot of vampire books. <laughs> You're really into the vampire stuff. I like vampire books. Um, I like immortal characters in general. Okay. Um, I what, think why is that? I think there's something interesting about the baggage that comes along with them. Mm. Um, not just because they're from a different time period and you get a little bit of that fish out of water situation with them. Yeah. Where they're having trouble adjusting to stuff around them. But there's a certain gravitas and there's a certain... Like, when you know a character is old, there are things that you can relate to them, and there are things that they can understand that ne- the reader doesn't necessarily understand. Um, and it gives you a lot of chances to increase the stakes of what's happening, because if an immortal character is actually in danger, that's, that's not good. They've been around a long time. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, okay. Is, is that the best superpower? I don't think so. What's the best superpower? This is actually a good question because I think I know the correct answer. I think there's really I think there's one correct answer. If I could have any superpower in the world, it would be the ability to refill anything. Refill anything? Mm-hmm. So I could refill my bank account, I could refill my my car, I could refill my stomach if I was hungry, I could refill my dialysis machine, I could fill the bladders of my enemies if I want them to go away. Like ooh. Ooh, that's a, that's a very incon. Well, it's like either way, it could be either very inconvenient or very nice. Okay. Yeah, because having like super strength would suck because people would ask you to move all the time, <laughs> and I'm not punching people I, on a regular basis. I, like, <laughs> I always thought, um, not the mind reading one, but the other one, uh, the tele uh, telekinesis. Yeah, where you move stuff. Mm. I thought that that one was the best one. Because, that wouldn't be so bad because like you have like super strength. Because, like, it doesn't seem like there's really a limit to how much your mind can lift. Also, you could just lift yourself up. Mm-hmm. So now you can fly. And it's like, I don't know. I just feel like that, that one's, like, the best one. You'd have to be able to put a force field around yourself, though, or flying would suck. Ooh, I guess you're Cause, right. Because, like, a bird could hit you in the face and you'd be dead. <laughs> I mean, can you do that, though? I mean, I don't know. You're some, be, some, some telekinetics can make telekinetic force fields around okay, themselves. Okay, okay. This is... All right, you're changing my mind on the superhero mm. powers now. That's Fuck. the thing about superpowers. Having one superpower sucks because a lot of superpowers need other superpowers to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like flight, you have to be invulnerable or you're going to have a bad time. Or if you can fly, is your flight powered by how fast you can move regularly? Is it a muscle thing? Is it something that, like, you're if just, I can't fly swimming, fast... You're just swimming through <laughs> yeah. the air? Just like... Yeah, because if I can fly and I don't have super strength, that's not as good. That'd be crazy if we could just fucking just like flap our just, arms and just like get up like five feet off the ground like chickens or some shit. That'd yeah, be crazy. I am not trying to go to arm day every day just to go to work. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, I feel like uh, that's interesting. Refilling everything. I like. I don't really. Huh. Now I'm gonna have to think about this. Mm. Did that's, you, an, that's an esoteric superpower. Did you did you come up with that yourself? Yeah. Or is that okay? So after some thinking. Okay. Uh, if you want a more traditional answer, I think magic would be my favorite superpower. Okay. But that's another one of those superpowers that you can sort of do anything. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, what? yeah. Like, it depends on the magic system. The magic system in my book has rules. Like, yeah. magic is split along a color spectrum. And 
you get a certain color of magic that you're able to do. And certain colors allow certain abilities. Like red oh. is the ability to evoke, which is being able are to use elemental magic. Are you given these colors or are you just born? Like, you're born like a genetic. Way? It's, um, it's not necessarily genetic, but you are born in the color that you have. Except for one kind of wizard. The okay. white wizards have the ability to do all magic. Fucking white wizards, dude. Yeah, it's Fucking. bad news. <laughs> <laughs> and I promise it comes from... <laughs> I come. I promise that the principle behind calling them white wizards is because <laughs> light, when it refracts, if you bring all the colors back, it makes white light. Mm-hmm. If you make no color, it's black. Yeah. Amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's fucking funny, dude. That's fucking funny. That's crazy. No, I'm. I'm excited, man. This is a. Uh, this is really good. Um, like, so you've been doing the tabletop stuff you've been doing the book stuff you haven't really done any shows or anything recently what else you got going on um like i said we are getting ready to start our new um streaming show which is going to be freedomly dark in the multiverse of the master mage which is a sequel to uh the game we ran last year uh that went for 53 episodes um in which our heroes are going to be traveling throughout the multiverse trying to stop an evil wizard from destroying everything um, have you ever thought about doing like a, you know how like some people will do their like uh, D&D games or whatever and then they'll like animate them? That would be really cool, but I don't have any artistic ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got and you. it's really expensive to pay yeah, for animation. I think it's like $4 yeah, yeah. million dollars a minute or something wow, like that. Wow, wow. Fuck. Fucking. Fuck that. I don't have $4 million. Do you guys? I don't know. No. no that's but a, it's something I would love to do. I mean, yeah. I would love to do it for our Mutants and Mastermind stuff because we have our own setting. Okay. And we have, um, I'd love to do comic books, I'd love to do animation, but it's just not something that, it's not something that we're equipped to do at the moment. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I really, uh, I, I've been telling a lot of people this like recently is like, I have like, like some ideas for some cartoons that I want to fucking do. And it's like, I've been sitting on them for so long. This is like one of those like book things where it's like, mm. you're like trying to figure out how you could like actually like, you know, figure out the details and everything. Cause it's like. For one of them, I have like pretty much like the the whole scope of like the pilot figured out, mm. which is like pretty much like that's like the big one where it's like yeah, that's the one you need to impress people with. Exactly, exactly. So it's like I just like you said, like animation's hard. I've done a lot of like I've done a lot of like the artistic stuff. I just found mm-hmm. that talking was a lot easier. It is a lot easier. It and is it's, a lot easier. It's interesting trying to find things that are labor intensive that you can do by yourself. Uh-huh. That's one of the things that I love about books is most of my time at work is me working by myself and it relies on my hard work, my creativity to get to a point where other people can help me like editors or beta readers, things like that. Um, I am getting ready to kickstart my first comic book. Okay. Um, which I'm excited about. It's, um, it's called Chaotic Good and it is about... Uh, it's about a D&D party, and it cuts between the players at the table and the characters in world while they're doing their stuff. Okay. Um, so the first issue deals with stopping a band of goblins from kidnapping the mayor's daughter, and there's a lot of shenanigans involved. Sort of okay. a comedy fantasy. All right. So how many projects, like, solo, like, your projects do you have going on right now, like, at once? Uh, well, I've got my books. Um Honestly, I think my books are the only things that I consider to be my solo projects because my comic book, I'm working with an artist who okay. is great. Her name is Stephanie Lane. Uh, she goes by Jupe. 
but she is she's wonderfully talented. Um, How do you balance that? And also, wait, so really quick, so these books that you're writing right now, are they a part of this series? Yes. Yep. Are any of them done? Um, the second book is almost done. It should be done in a week or so. Um, and then I'll start beta reading for it, so I'll have people read the book, give me their feedback, and then I'll, I'll do another edit based on that. Um, while they're reading that one, I'll be finishing the third book. So wait, so you have, how do you write a book that's like after, or are they just like happening at the same time? Like what's going on? Like, um, so book one is the initial point of this, this series. Um, book two is the immediate aftermath for one of the characters and book three is the immediate aftermath for the other main character. Oh, so book three, um, Spoiler alert, uh, book three is about Anson's journey uh, through this place called Tartarus, um, which is a mythological place, but it's got its own sort of spin in yeah. the universe. Um, and then book two is about his, da or his daughter Caroline's uh, experience becoming a wizard superhero and dealing with the aftermath of the Tartarus escape that happens at the okay. end of this book. And I've seen, I've, seen you, uh, I've seen a lot of different stuff that you've been doing online and everything. Have you ever done like this world uh, as like a campaign for mm -hmm. something? Because I thought I saw like someone, you got someone to draw you a map oh, of yeah. your city. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be in the books. That's gonna, that is for the players because I run uh, Titan City games um, at different conventions. I have also got the Titan City Chronicles on our Twitch channel and our YouTube channel that were serialized short stories. Oh, you're a part of so much shit. That it's is a lot. Dude, you're literally like, I'm working on like three books and a comic book series and I'm also the lead developer of, it's a lot of spreadsheets. four different games. <laughs> Just the one game. Just the one game. But, oh, damn. Um, How do you... F although I have been doing some freelance work for a couple of other games, but I don't think How? I'm able to talk about that right now. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, do you... Uh, How do you find time for all of this? Um... Luckily, it's my full-time job, so I don't have 40 hours a week where I've got to go be a slave for somebody else, which yeah, is yeah. great. I don't have to go answer to call centers anymore, Yeah, <laughs> which was the worst job ever. Interesting. So even this like lead developer as a game, like in this game thing, you're not like, not like nine to five? Mm -mm. No, I, um, I have to work a certain amount of hours every week, but they don't care which hours, as long as I get those hours done. Dude. That would be horrible for me, dude. <laughs> that, that's like school, high school all over You'd again. You'd be like, man, it's Sunday from midnight to 9 a.m. Those yeah, are my dude. hours. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, Eddie, uh, we saw that you didn't clock in any hours <laughs> between Monday and Friday. But Saturday and Sunday, you seem to have killed it. You see, it looks like you worked the whole day. Yeah, yeah. It looks like 48 hours just between yeah. those two days. I've had a lot of 39-hour <coughs> shifts in my time. Nice. Um, mostly for freelance editing. That's mostly like those are the projects and sort of when I'm overwhelmed, that's the stuff I'm like, I could do that closer to the deadline. Um, I love doing freelance editing and it's something I can do fairly quickly. So it's the one thing that I'm like, okay, if I have to sacrifice something, I'll do, I'll stay up through finishing that and I'll work on this other stuff. But it's a lot of spreadsheets. I mean, I, I schedule my writing out in two week blocks and I, say what each writing session has to accomplish oh and i keep track of if i get this done during this writing session 
then I maybe I've got some more time I can sneak something from the next writing session in or if I need to adjust things around cool. it's all broken down to I need to get these chapters done for this session I need to get this game thing done it's it's just time management all right all right that's and I write really fast that's that helps a lot all right all right I was gonna say because like for me it like sometimes takes a while to like come up with like even like a fucking 20 second joke and like so to like come up with like a whole ass story yeah, I am a firm a, proponent that it is a lot easier to edit something that exists than it is to write something perfect the first time. Okay. So I am not precious about getting stuff on the page. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, that's like the hard part for me. Mm -hmm. The editing process, fucking, I got that down. But yeah. like when it comes to the trying to just like conceive the idea and put yeah. it on paper to where it's something that I like, like horrendous amount of yeah. time. It's You've got to give yourself long. permission to suck. Yeah, is, is, that's a very important thing I think for writers to hear if they haven't heard it from somebody else. Allow yourself to write a bad draft. Yeah, and then go back and edit. Dude, it. Dude, well, imagine how I feel when I think I write a good draft and it still sucks. <laughs> like, dude, like it's the worst. It's still a learning experience. Yeah, I know, I mean, right? Yeah, it's all it's all growing. Yeah, if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah, ex I mean, yeah, I think we're doing both at the same time. Well, but scientifically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That's one thing that stresses me about out about Anson is he's going to be around in 11 billion years when the universe is gone. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be the last thing that is that is there. That's crazy. No, like, I never thought about that. Like, how immortal are immortals? Depends. Like, like... Uh, like, can you still, like, technically drown and stuff, but, like, you just come back, or... Are you just like drowning the entire time? Depends. Um, yeah, that's why I would never want to have immortality because immortality adds infinite time to your life. And when you have infinite time, that means statistically everything will happen to you. So one day a building will fall on you and you'll be trapped there for thousands of years until somebody comes and excavates the building or the planet gets destroyed. Wow. Like, Anson, Anson is preparing for in five billion years when the sun explodes and the earth is destroyed, and he'll wow. be launched into space, and he'll just have to hope that he lands on a civilized planet some, somewhere down the line. Dude, that's, like, worries of his? Yeah, those are things that he thinks. Dude, that's, that's why fucking, he wants to die. Dude, that's <laughs> so nuts. Like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, man, I only have, like, 70 years left, and then now this guy's like, man... <laughs> I'm going to get shot into space. <laughs> like, Eventually. What? Like, dude, we think we know our problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, I could get hit by a bus. He's going to get hit by a bus eventually. Like, he statistically even, speaking. He doesn't even know what a bus is yet. No. Well, uh, did they have buses in 1933? I think they have. Oh, probably. They've got trolley, they've got trolley yeah. cars at least. You'd yeah. get hit by a trolley car. Yeah. Interesting. But, like, what happens if your head gets cut off? Uh, his head grows back. Well, a body grows out of the neck stump. The body disintegrates into ash but the head survives interesting this is yeah he's been disintegrated before he's been banished to another dimension he's, this is like a wolverine situation yeah he's had a lot of bad times because even wolverine got like blasted into like a thousand pieces didn't he and then yeah. he still survived yeah I or think is that deadpool both wolverine and deadpool i think have been atomized and come back from being disintegrated like it's it's one of those superhero things that you're like, that's ridiculous. But, but do they all 
do they come back and congeal together or do they just like all grow into their own? Depends on who's writing the story. Dude, because that would be a problem. <laughs> That's like, a lot of Deadpools. Yeah, dude. Just imagine how many assholes there are. We're all be. Deadpool. Yeah, dude. <laughs> just one for each state in America. Yeah, that's actually, um, thinking about him getting launched into space, I was like, well, there's got to be a reason that he's immortal then, because that's that's the fail state of his existence, is being trapped in oblivion. Um, wow. So I came up with the idea that Anson's job in the cycle of the universe is to be the Big Bang for the next universe. So he's supposed to gather as much energy as possible, and then when everything is destroyed by his nemesis, he is the one that's responsible for birthing the next universe. Um, that's the Big Bang. That's the cycle. Um, but in the books, this has happened nine times. Basically, nine universes have come and gone. And this is the one where things are going to go differently because there's never been a child of both creation and annihilation. So his daughter is going to be sort of... She's got main character syndrome a little bit because she's got this thing where she, she could be the thing that stops the cycle. Ooh, one way or the other. It could, could be, that be like an Anakin Skywalker situation. Yeah. Where it's like she, they think that she's the one, but Yoda knows. Yeah, she like, might be the one who destroys everything forever and stops the rebirth part of it. Yeah. Just lets the story come to an end. Or maybe she has twins, and then they mm-hmm. together save the universe. Mm-hmm. A, a group of twin magicians who don't know that they're related and have some weird, you know... Yeah, you know. Immor- immortality... With your sister, that's a that's a hard thing, you know what I mean? It's like a lot of people coming and going, but they never do. Well, we should probably <laughs> at least try to repopulate the planet, right? Oh! <laughs> no, no, I don't think we should. <laughs> In uh, Alex Thomas's next book, we have uh, Repopulating the Earth mm-hmm. with uh, Alabama. It's called The Twin Sets Sagas. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's already got it all right now. He knows. <laughs> Oh, man. I actually do have another book that I'm working <laughs> on. <laughs> that's, that's not related to Titan City. Oh, um, man. I'm really excited about this one, actually. It's called Dead End Job. And it is the story of a young woman who gets shot and killed while she's working at a, a big box retail store. <laughs> and when she gets to the afterlife, she finds out that she has to work off all the bad things she did in life with the jobs on her resume. So she winds up working at a ghostly retail store called Happy Hauntings. And it's the worst. Dude, that's... So funny, like um, uh, like the last job you had. Mm-hmm. That's your fucking purgatory. Yep. Like, bro, I do not want to be rolling silverware for the rest of my fucking eternity, dude. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, that's the trick too. Is imagine sh- being a sex worker? That'd be horrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, here I am. You're that ghost from Ghostbusters that sleeps with Dan Aykroyd. Dude. That's how that happened. <laughs> This is like a really bad version of Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Just not good. Oh, man. This is... It's no. called Groundhog's Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. Your improv skills are great. I love it. <laughs> I try. I my moments. I DM a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Which is a lot sense. of saying yes, and then what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, man. I love... That's like... I feel like that's kind of why I really like that shit. It's mm-hmm. just because there is that part of like that theater part of me that really still likes that stuff. Oh, yeah. But like, you know, not saying I would never ever again, but like, dude, being alone on stage, not having to like, I, I mean, I guess I'm still doing like tech weeks myself because mm-hmm. I'm going out to like, you know, two or three mics a night, maybe sometimes four if I can make it. But it's like, dude, 
being on somebody else's time is the worst. Where yeah. it's like, all right, we're gonna practice on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and then like for like three weeks, it's like, all right, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday and Thursday every day <laughs> for four weeks, and it's like, no. But I have a life. I know, dude. <laughs> That's why it's like, it's like, man, like anyone who's traveling on the road, like they definitely have a hard time. But it's like yeah. Broadway people, bro. Fuck. Because it's not yeah. like it's not like a comedian where they like get home from their road gigs and it's like, all right, like I can just go into town and then come back home for like a thing. It's like these guys are fucking w- fucking working. They're just oh, yeah. working all the fucking time. They're just on the road all the fucking time. Yeah, this might be shocking, but I am strictly anti-capitalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have yeah. A, I have a lot of begrudging hate for. The fact that we have to pay to live here and every other creature just gets to sit on a riverbank and eat strawberries. Like, well, yeah. Well, guess what? They made the rules, okay? We yeah. didn't, okay? We just showued up. They yeah. were here first. They were like, I, dude, what if it was them? What if it was like the monkeys? They were like, <laughs> I bet you we can make these fucking idiots pay. Like, <laughs> Joke's on them. We're going to destroy the planet. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. Like, all the other animals were like, man, look at these fucking idiots, man. Just making paper and then giving it out to each other whose face is that <coughs> they put their faces on it i mean dude i mean we fucking make fun of that like other animals for doing shit like that all the mm-hmm. time and it's like how different are we we're just like we're taking trees breaking them down like that's insane like mm-hmm. literally there at- are green leaves on every tree we could just grab <laughs> leaves and scrawl george washington's face on them <laughs> we're doing this so hard dude Monkeys don't have landlords. Like, <laughs> oh man, Elon Monk is not going to destroy the planet. <laughs> Maybe not. Who knows? His fucking banana ship. He might be doing something crazy. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, what? What would the monkey version of Jeff Bezos be? What would his his monkey name be? Hmm. Jeff Bonobos. Ooh, there we go. Bonobos. There we go. Yeah, dude. Okay. Yeah, you know he see, he sees his like dick shaped airplane. He's like, I'm gonna make a banana shaped one, dude. I'm Fuck getting me. in there. We got this. You were gonna make it happen. Yeah. All right. It's just it kills me that people are so cynical that they're like, let's just leave leave this planet to go to Mars instead of just making this one better while we're here. Hey, man. I mean, I've watched Wally. I see what happens. I yeah. know. I, just, I fucking know. <laughs> EJ's just getting ready for it, dude. <laughs> 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 oh, I didn't know that chair had a toilet in it. <laughs> oh, dude. <coughs> we kid here. We kid. No, but uh, Alex, uh, you have so much shit to like plug. So, like, let's fucking roll through everything all over again, really quick. Okay. We'll start with your book. Where can we find it? What's the name? Um, so, my book is available on Amazon. It is called The Magician's Sin. Um, it is book one of the Titan City Chronicles, but if you type in The Magician's Sin, it should come up. Um, otherwise, you can find it on alexanderwrites.com. Um, if you are interested in hanging out with us over on Twitch, we're at twitch.tv slash untoldstoriesproject every Tuesday and Wednesday, in which we play all sorts of stuff. Uh, Tuesday nights is currently our Magical Girls Night, where we have a bunch of people who are playing like Sailor Moon-style superheroes, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Wednesdays, we'll be starting up our... Uh, Freedom League Dark in the Multiverse of the Master Mage, uh, starting on Wednesday, the 22nd of February, 2023. 
Um, if you're interested in Mutants and Masterminds, you can find us over at greenronin.com um, or anywhere that games are sold. Go to your friendly local game store if you have a chance. Uh, if you're in Columbus, there's the Guard Tower, uh, East and West, Laughing Ogre, a lot of places I like to go to. <clears throat> Uh, do you think the the soldiery would have it? Have you ever oh, been yeah. there? Oh yeah, okay. the soldiery should have some of our products. So they don't think, have mutants and masters. I think that's like real close to this area. Like I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. It's chaotic good is not available yet, is it? Not, not yet, not yet. Chaotic good will be heading to uh, uh, backer kits. Uh, <laughs> oh, almost fucking finished up, and the light is like nah. <laughs> Uh, Chaotic Good will be coming to Backer Kit in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Jupe and I, Jupe just sent me my proof copy. I was really hoping it would be here uh, for tonight's podcast, but it should be here in the next couple of days. Okay, okay. Um, and I mean, I'm going to have all these, all these links, all this stuff because mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I feel like it's like really important. I and like the thing that I like about this podcast, and like if anyone's listening, because uh, I have a lot of people who ask to be on the podcast, and the thing that I really like are people who are doing stuff Mm -hmm. that I can like showcase. Cause it's like, yeah, you're a comedian, but like you're just going to open mics. You know what I mean? It's like, it's really hard to like, it's, it's like, I want to talk to people who are like building shit. Like, you know what I mean? You're fucking doing a book, a comic book. You're doing all sorts of shit. Like that's like the type of stuff that I want to like look at because it's like, even if I'm not even into like the book or whatever, it's like all just like the work ethic and just like, the i the idea of like being able to tell a story well mm-hmm. is like insane to me. So, yeah, and I hope I, I hope I have offered something valuable to the people who listen. I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like we have a few nerds in here. I feel like yeah. this is probably the first like real. I mean, we had a I think we had yeah Stevie J on. I think he talked about some anime and stuff like that. But other than that, I mean, that was like probably the nerdiest episode that we've got. So I mean, this is like not nerdy, but like you're definitely. You know, talking about something that you know we haven't really talked about. On here I'm a before. nerd. I get yeah, it. I love it. I've been a nerd since it wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah, but I fucking love it, man. I fucking miss you. You're fucking you great. Too. Thanks so much for stopping in, yeah. guys. This was Alexander Thomas. Thanks for watching another episode of Help. I'm high and can't get down. You guys can watch us on uh, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you guys find your podcast. We'll catch you guys next episode. Awesome. <laughs>